So hi, welcome to the Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with Screaming Jack Novak from Fastest Land Animal. And we have some questions to say about their new album, East Coast, West Coast, In Between. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to it so far? So far, so good. We're just uh, we're excited to get out and start touring off the album, uh, which we're going to be doing, uh, I think, at the end of March, beginning of April. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The album's awesome. I was going to say album rocked. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Uh, so is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Yeah. So <clears throat> this is our now our second album uh, that we've done with Fastest Land Animal. The first one we did uh, right at the like height, the beginning to the height of the pandemic. So we couldn't get together. We couldn't certainly couldn't tour. There was no venues to play. There was no uh, live gigs. But I wanted to do an album anyway, so we're all lucky enough to have home, you know, uh, home recording studios in our respective homes. I live in New York, so I'm East Coast. Our guitarist and bass player, and also our producer, are out uh, in Arizona and California, so they're West Coast. Oh, yeah. And our drummer lives in um, Texas, so he's in between. Oh wow. oh wow! East Coast, West Coast, in between. And we recorded the album uh, just like the first one remotely, and we glued it all together at the end. Nice. My goodness, right. that's crazy! So the pandemic really didn't, uh, I guess, affect you guys for that it process. Stop, I guess definitely didn't stop us from recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's always great, you know, to do it the the normal way and get together in a studio and 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 play the songs together uh, and things can develop really organically. But we, you know, we managed to figure it out. And the process was in a lot of ways, it was a little more convenient because we didn't have to worry about traveling, getting together, going, uh, booking studio time for whatever it is, six weeks. Um, and we could all, you know, work from home and they came in especially handy when we weren't allowed to go anywhere, mm-hmm. but uh, work from home and, and, uh, we got a lot done pretty quickly. I mean, things like vocals. I I did. I nailed out all my vocals on this album in about uh, six days or so. Oh wow! Um, what? Yeah, we were. Well, we worked remotely using. There's this program called. Uh, well, we you know we communicated over Zoom, mm-hmm. but then we used something called Audio Movers, which allows you to hear the music like studio quality in almost real time, so you can. I could be seeing our drummer playing the parts on my computer screen while listening to him on in my studio setup. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Go back and say, okay, let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. Um, and then when we got down to doing vocals, you know, everything else was done. I was in New York. Don was in um, California and he was actually able to remotely access my computer and control uh, my Pro Tools rig from 2000 miles away, which was really cool. And I was singing the stuff, watching him control my computer in through my microphone set up right next to me here yeah. so, uh, in New York. So that was a, uh, it was, you know, technology definitely came in handy. That's wow. definitely one of the most like intricate long distance setups that we've heard. Usually mm-hmm. it's just like, we were all looking at the, the logic session in zoom, like, you know, <laughs> and we actually did it in front of each other. And, yeah. you know, we would like <clears throat> play parts and, and try out things in front of each other through audio movers and through Zoom. Then we would all go our own ways. Whoever's 
job it was to do that part would do it and then come back and then we would all listen back but the vocals i did with don as the producer i did that live with him uh over audio movers and having him control my computer wow wow and you said vocals took you six days roughly six days to do for the entire album yeah i think we're doing two to three songs a day oh my god is that usually the the speed you go when you're in a studio well, this is, yeah, this is the fourth album we've done with Don uh, as producer. So I, I can work really uh, efficiently with him, uh, especially on vocals, because it's even when we were doing, we, you know, <clears throat> back when we could go into a studio or we did go into a studio, typically I would record vocals with him out in LA in West Hollywood at a place called uh, Nightbird Studios, which, <clears throat> excuse me, is a studio in the basement of the sunset marquee hotel um so we would just it would just be me and him he would be in the control room i'd be in the vocal booth and we would just go back and forth and uh we really honed our skills don's good at getting what he needs out of me vocal wise and you know not that many takes like maybe three mm -hmm. takes and he'll know okay now i have what i need this is going to be a good a good uh song i can put i can piece all this together uh you know comp the vocals as it were in a way that, that's going to be a good take and you know he's he's really also very mellow to work with he'll say instead of oh that wasn't any good try it again he'll say good take but maybe i think i think he can beat it this next time mm -hmm. beat it. um but yeah he knows he knows what i'm capable of and when when it's the best take and sometimes the first takes the best take Mm -hmm. uh, but our process, we we just work really quickly together at this point. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album? Yeah, well, <clears throat> the way I've been writing songs for years now is uh, I'm a member of something called the Song Gang, which is it's like an email uh, chain that about 18 or so singer-songwriters are on. Um, uh, it's it was started by this singer songwriter out of Austin, Texas, by the name of Bob Schneider. Oh, and uh, he's a good buddy of mine. And I've been in this song group for years now. We've had people in and out of it uh, that you may have heard of, like Jason Mraz is uh, in, in the game. But the idea is that Bob will send out a word or a phrase every week. And within, you know, by the end of that week, you have to record, write and record a song that incorporates that word or phrase. So it forces you to write every week. So by the end of the year, you have 50, 52 songs written. And, you know, a lot of them are going to not be good, but there's, you know, probably going to be at least eight or 10 good ones in there or ones you can at least work with. So yeah. that's been my songwriting process for, <clears throat> for a while now. Um, and at some point, I guess it was the back at the beginning of the pandemic, I wanted to start this new band fastest land animal that was going to be kind of punk uh a little more uh raucous than some other projects i've been working on and the rule was uh the rule to myself was no i'm not allowed to record or write any songs that are slower than 150 beats per minute so then i was doing the song game and all the songs were fast yeah. and by the end of uh you know however long it was a few months i had an album's worth of songs so that those all those songs made it to the album and then 
when we were recording and touring for the first album, I kept writing songs every week. And sure enough, I had another batch of songs, which is now East Coast, West Coast, in between. But usually I'll, when I write, I'll typically write this, the music first, okay. getting back to your question about the process. And then the lyrics will follow. And, you know, if it's a song game, the, there'll be a phrase that I can build the song around that phrase or just put that phrase or word somewhere in the song. And, uh, but I'll usually write the music, then sing along phonetically to that music. And then phrases or words will emerge. And then I'll sort of build out from there. But the, the music comes a little e more easier to me than the lyrics. The lyrics, I like the first lyrics, usually I rewrite lyrics over and over and over again until I get them just right. Um, and Don's really helpful with telling me, keep writing it, go in this direction, or you're not really saying anything, you need to be stronger visually. Uh, every once in a while, a song will come along uh, that I'll write and the lyrics come either at the same time as the music or quickly thereafter, and they mm -hmm. come easily. But usually it's, it's, a, it's a process for me, rewriting lyrics. Sure. And how many of the songs that you wrote for the the weekly email chain made it onto the album? This is just I'm just curious. Every single song is a was originally derived from the song game. Every single one. Yeah. Well, not we did one cover on this album, so I didn't write that one. So yeah. that did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that came from Sting. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I thought. I thought it was just going to be like maybe like 50%, 40% because you mentioned that like some of them, like eight or 10 of them are actually like, like usable, but you've just, you've worked out your process so well that now you're able to use all of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a song a week. So whenever I'm writing, I'm writing a song for the song game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's just, it's not like I'm going to say, uh, I don't, I'm not going to write. I'm going to, I know I have to write a song by the end of the week. But I'm not going to do it for the song game. I'm going to do it for fastest land. It doesn't matter. It's all, mm -hmm. you know, it's all my stuff, and I can put it wherever I want. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. um, and that process works for me because it forces you. The, the more you write, the, the easier it gets. It's like it's like a muscle. Like you got to exercise it, use it or lose it, whatever the expression is. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, what song off this album took longest to write, and which one is your personal favorite? Um, the one that took the longest to write is. Probably, um, there's a song called Cowboys in Nashville uh, that I had originally written that song like 10 years ago or something, even longer. And I just shelved it because I didn't think it was right for the bands I were in at that, that time. Uh, and then I just didn't need it for the first Fastest Land Animal record. And then the second album, we were almost done we needed one or two more songs and i said to the guys like i got the song that i wrote years ago but it's a little weird and I, you know i don't know if it, if it's gonna work but can i play and it's i just have like a piece of it i didn't even finish writing it and i played it for them they're like oh that's perfect this is exactly a fastest land animal song so that one had to be fleshed out a little longer so a little more so technically that took years and years to write but yeah. i did shelve it for a while and then I think my favorite song on the album, um, I do love playing that one live, Cowboys in Nashville. Uh, there's another song on there called Out of Range. Um, that is one of the, I think, two songs on the album that <clears throat> is a little slower than 150 beats per minute. It didn't quite follow the normal uh, fastest land animal 
directive, mm-hmm. yeah. but uh, it's still pretty fast. And that was one of these songs that I, the lyrics came right away. Um, there was something about the, the vibe of the, I think the, the song game word of that week was t- uh, tequila Blanco. Mm-hmm. And so that made the lyric. And then for some reason, I don't know, the, the, the vibe of the song just sounded like uh, I was stuck in a border town in Texas and I can't get home and I'm drinking tequila Blanco. My bags are packed. I'm ready to split. I'm stranded and I'm out of range. And mm-hmm. those lyrics just came came to me right away. Um, so that was an, that song was a pleasure and easy to write. And it ended up being uh, probably my favorite track on the record. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so how'd the track list for the album come about? Did you write the opener be the opener, close it be a closer, just shuffle around and see what fits? What was that process like? The sequencing? Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, we'll record the album not in order. And then I'm the one who usually at the end figures out the sequencing. And I think that's really important to me anyway. I know people consume music. Uh, it's almost gone back to a singles type business the way it was mm-hmm. in the 50s. Um, before people had albums but now people are are buying i love doing vinyl we always do vinyl releases for our records so i think it's important to tell to have the the album unfold like a movie like you put it on you listen to the whole thing through has an ebb and flow and so the sequencing is really important to me um and i'll play around with different orders of songs and listen and go back and listen and go back but usually there's just, there's only one order that works and it may take me a few swings of the bat to get there, but I'll get there. And then I'll just say, there's no other order that works for this album. Mm-hmm. I will say that it was Don Gilmore's idea to have uh, run and hide be the first the album opener. He just thought like that, that guitar part uh, coming in with the, the sus chord being strummed really quickly and the, and the drums, uh, beeping playing on the floor times he's like that's the opener it just sounds like the beginning of an album uh so i'll give him credit for that but the rest of the rest of it was me <laughs> all right <laughs> Love that. Uh, so would you be able to tell us where your headspace is at while you're creating this record um well i think when you're writing the the things that inspire me and i'm ste- i think i'm stealing this thought from billy joel who may have said this years ago but if you're really really happy or excited, uh, or you, you feel that there's endless opportunity in, in front of you for whatever reason. I mean, it could be just walking around the corner. It could be I'm on tour and I'm visiting different people. It could be anything. But uh, then you're inspired to write music. On the other hand, conversely, if you're really bummed out about something, like you're totally depressed, something went wrong in a relationship, or you had some sort of tragedy, you know, we had a house fire a few years ago mm-hmm. and uh, a pandemic certainly was a tragedy for everyone. That'll inspire you to write music. What what isn't inspiring is when you're just kind of content and everything's fine. Uh, then it's just hard to to get your brain uh, to have your brain go to that song, but uh, to go to to that songwriting place. Mm-hmm. But um so I think most of these songs I was, was probably excited because we had we had been touring a little bit finally again from the first record. Um, 
and just, you know, I don't know, just hanging out. And, you know, I spent a lot of, uh, I live primarily in, primarily in New York City. So just being there, looking out the window or walking around the corner, it just seems like there's always an adventure or something happening. And that inspires me a lot, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Sorry to hear about your um your house fire. I just want to say that. I went through a, a similar thing uh, when I was younger. I just want to say it's an awful thing to go through. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry it happened. Thank you very much, Lori. Appreciate that. We were lucky in that no one died. No animals were injured. Uh, no human beings were, were hurt or killed. Um, and the studio I'm in right now was is above the garage. Somehow the fire, I mean, it was a complete rebuild of the house, which we were able to do in a little, about a year. And it's basically the same house, but it's, but it's new. It's not the same house. Obviously, the other house was, was leveled. But yeah. the fire came right up to my studio door right here where I'm sitting and stopped. And mm. my studio with all my guitars and keyboards and my console was was uh, did was not destroyed. So I was that's happy. good. That's, that's awesome. good. <laughs> um, so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? If they do in the car with friends and dark with headphones on, is the workout album party album? What do you personally recommend? I think it's fun to listen in a group. Um, put it on at a party, play it loud, and just you know. Do shots or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Uh, so this one shots, should be super do edibles. Super. Do do nothing and order Chinese food. I don't know, but just have fun. Do oh, yeah. everything and do nothing at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so this one should be super super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words: no more, no less. Melodic punk rock. Perfect. Nice. Absolutely perfect. Um, so in that same train of thought, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album? I just want it to be excited and I want the, I want the album to make them think, wow, I got to go see this band live. I, I, I got to figure out when they're playing near me because that's really what for us as a band, that's what it's all about. And hopefully our tickets will be a little easier than Taylor Swift tickets to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might not well, start like not, a... that's a good that's a good problem to have if you're Taylor Swift, but. Not mm-hmm. a good problem to have if you're a Swifty, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think you guys are going to be bringing Ticketmaster to court, but I don't know. Maybe I, you will. Uh, Maybe one day. <laughs> oh, Pearl Jam. You know, I remember years ago, Pearl Jam testified in Congress against Ticketmaster. Oh my God! Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, they, they had a, they did a whole tour on like these off the beaten path venues because you know most of the venues are are owned by uh, Ticketmaster. Or, you know, so yeah, it's, mm. it's hard to avoid. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is your favorite memory that you made while creating this record um i think my favorite memory was when we were mixing we mixed uh the guy who mixed it is uh his name is chris lord algae and he's a very famous mix engineer and he's great we've done a few records with him and i think he was given too much direction and we were just getting kind of lost in the mix and it wasn't coming out right. So finally, I just said to him, I said, Chris, just do what you did on the last record. Cause whatever that was, that was it. Just do that again. And he goes, ah, why didn't you say that? And then a day later we had the album mixed and it was perfect. <laughs> oh my God. It was, fun. it was just, it's, it was like a release. Like it was, it was like, just wasn't happening. And it was because we just didn't let Chris do what Chris does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um, so picture this, you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Uh, probably going to go with, uh, 
Beef jerky. Ooh. Black pepper, original, or teriyaki? Black pepper. Classic. Yeah. Can't go wrong with it. Perfect. I like it. Protein and, you know. Gives you a little chew. Gives you a little <laughs> the hunger cravings kind of mm-hmm. thing. I also like uh, they sell these uh, almonds that are like Frank. I think they're Frank's Red Hot flavored almonds. Ooh. Yeah, they're pretty good. Those are that a little harder to find. Everyone's got beef jerky of some sort. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've never heard of those almonds. I'm going to have to keep an eye out. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Uh, so on the topic of food, if the band was a dish, what dish would the band be and why? Hmm. Those are good questions. Thank you. It would probably be like uh, spicy chicken wings or something. Oh. Yeah, because it's like finger foods. They're little bite-sized pieces of songs. They're not too long. It's not too serious. Uh, but each one of your little, you get 12 chicken wings or whatever on a plate. I think we got 12 or so songs on the record. Each one's like tasty. All right. Hell yeah. I like that. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for the last couple of questions, we're going to shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? My last meal would be my wife's, uh, pasta carbonara. Oh. And she makes the best. And my drink, I probably have a Johnny Walker Black. All right. Hell yeah. Is that is that a coffee or a whiskey? That's a whiskey. I figured right. as such. I'd have, I'd have a glass of whiskey. All right. Perfect. It doesn't really go with carbonara. You should be drinking a nice red wine or something with that. But mm-hmm. whatever. If I'm gonna it's go your last out, meal. I'm gonna go out drinking that scotch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? fictional world mm-hmm. um not the avatar world because uh it's too much blue yeah um i think i'd like to live on amity island where jaws took place but just without the shark <laughs> so nice. just a regular town <laughs> yeah like, uh, you know like you're living in like the hamptons or martha's vineyard or something like that nice it's always summer <laughs> You're at the beach. Uh, uh-huh. You can go sailing, play a little golf. Um, you know, and Amity is not a real town. It's a fictional made up town. So True. it is Amity after they kill the shark, though. After <laughs> they kill the shark. Do they they kill the shark in like what? Oh, Jaws 5? Spoiler alert. Yes. I'm so, I've, I've seen all of them. I just I forget because I feel like it doesn't doesn't it have like a sun and then the sun comes yeah. and kills and they, they, they have other sharks, but the original shark from jaws was was killed at the end but okay he made so much money they're gonna have to bring back a shark so yeah. they brought back yeah there was the mother that followed them to mm-hmm. Bahamas I, or something i can't Re- believe you're spoiling the movie for me right now it's been oh, out 20 years i saw it but <laughs> by now too late like 75 or something exactly yeah. um so i have the one of asking the last question every single person that we've spoken to have said that it is the most important question what's your favorite color my favorite color has got to be black. I mean, look, I'm wearing black on black. True. Hell yeah. Right. I don't know there if black is black not a color. Some people say, well, that's not really color. It's the absence of color. That's literally word for word what I say. <laughs> In that attitude, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's crazy. But I know, can't go wrong wearing black. That's what I say. Fair enough. I agree. Um, so as I said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, our new album's out now, wherever you consume music, Fastest Land Animal. 
East Coast, West Coast, and in between, coming to a town near you uh, in uh, this spring. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you for now. It's been Screaming Jack Novak from Fastest Land Animal, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.